0: radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sand Talks Technology.
1: Hello, good afternoon, welcome. It's Wednesday, it's two o'clock and of course that's Sam talks technology and yes it's sunny outside I think it's 17 degrees nearly it's time for shorts and t-shirts well I'm not sat in shorts and t-shirts today I'm in the studio with a guest today and my guest is Katie Lips we're going to introduce Katie in one second um we're also going to have as usual our normal roundup of the news from this week we're going to be talking a lot about things such as Facebook's new launch of a service to take on TikTok uh EE have announced 5G coming to several cities. Um, Alexa for Windows PCs, any use or is it total rubbish? Chrome 71's coming out. Uh, lots of security features in there. We'll talk a little bit about those. And Alexa this week announced Alexa Voices and Alexa Follow-On. I'll let you know if they're useful for you and how you can use them in the home. But first, before we do anything else, I'm going to introduce my guest. So, hello, Katie. How are you?
0: Hi, Sam. Good, thanks.
1: Great. Uh, now, Katie... Tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: So I'm a tech founder, which means I found tech startups. Excellent. Sometimes. Good. You're on the right show then. (laughs) Um, And I'm also a technology consultant and work with a range of businesses, helping them solve their tech issues and I'm an occasional artist so it means I also dabble in a bit of art in my spare time which
1: we're going to touch on so uh, what we want to also do is look at what books you found useful what apps so we're going to have book of the week app of the week from you towards the end of the show but I wanted to start off with how you got into technology so you were telling me offline you did this is your third company that we're going to be talking about but tell me about the first two and how you got into them
0: sure so Back in about 2003, um, I was working in a digital agency um, in the northwest and having a really good time creating multimedia, websites, that sort of thing.
1: Can I just add that Katie's a Liverpool fan?
0: Yay! I am, yeah.
1: She was born in <laughs> Liverpool. We had to have that in early, just as anyone else, if she was an Everton fan, this conversation would this have stopped. be happening. No. It be happening as well. Anyway, sorry, I interrupt. <laughs> Back to you.
0: So, yeah, so in, in about 2003, when... Um, I don't know if your listeners can remember some, but um, I can certainly remember when um, people had Nokia mobile phones in general. They're coming
1: back. They're fashionable.
0: They are. And um, you could text people, but often there wasn't much storage space on these phones. In fact, on mine, you could only keep 10 text messages. And I thought that was a bit rubbish and wanted to be able to keep more of my messages from my friends and not have to delete one each time I got a new one. So Clearly,
1: I never sent more than three things
0: <laughs> not big on texting though. no no so um along with my husband who wasn't my husband then but is now um we devised a way for people to be able to keep their text messages and we created a service called treasure dot and that was my first um internet startup if you like um it's very early it was um in you know in the days when mobile wasn't really a big deal for many people um it was pre-iphone pre-apps um and pre all that sort of thing pre web two even um wow so it was really about you know taking content from your mobile putting it on the web and then enjoying it online like a kind of you know managing your and backing up and storing your your mobile content um and whilst it didn't do brilliantly as a business you know over the years it uh, actually still exists today as a product and it's still oh, really? used by people around the world. So there are still some people out there who, you know, have old school mobile phones and want to keep their text messages and, and need a way to, to store them. So um, we still keep it going just so that people can use it as they as so fit.
1: So w- what do you run it on? Where is it Where's it hosted? What, all least, those things then?
0: Yeah, so it's you know it doesn't cost us much to run um, and we know that we made it because we wanted to build a nice thing for people and they like it. So we just keep it going and we use... Um, you know aws amazon storage and and that's where it sits
1: perfect so so that was your first entry into the world of entrepreneurship and startups yeah what came next
0: um so later um you know obviously the iphone came out and that changed the world in terms of mobile i think um it was a very exciting time around 2007 and all of a sudden we um could create apps for phones whereas Prior to that, you have to remember that if you were a developer or you had ideas about creating mobile services, you had to work with the telcos or the network operators in order to be able to get your software out and um, used by the public. So, you know, you had to do a big deal with with some big companies, and that was very hard for a lot of kind of indie developers to be able to do. So iPhone was super exciting because it meant anyone could create content for mobile, basically. Um and so, you know, I had an idea for an app. It was all around virtual gifts. Right. And, um, you know, that's like sending somebody a, a nice flower or a present or, a you know, a gift that appears on their mobile phone. And, of course, because it was iPhone, you could do all sorts of exciting stuff Um you can make it 3D. You could put audio in there. You could make it look really, really nice and make it tactile. And you could kind of make it spin round and all those things. So um, my second startup was a, a virtual gifting startup. Um, How I, did that go? It it well. So. I'm here talking about something else now, so. <laughs> you know, like so many of these ideas, you kind of have a go at it, and then it doesn't quite pan out but um it was a really interesting learning experience, and I think um you know having uh worked on several business ideas in the past you you always take that learning experience with you into what you do next um and it was a very valuable lesson i guess in, in um... so
1: what would you say went wrong then what 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 was the issue so' obviously virtual gifting is sort of around now a little bit
0: yeah it is it really is and um i think you know what we have now today is we have the emoji and and it's everywhere it's in all sorts of services that we use we can kind of embellish our conversation with little bits of graphics and um you know moving pictures and and some of those are getting more and more um con- you know richer and richer content so we can Um, create things now where it looks like a picture of ourselves we can kind of lip sync over it and send like a kind of micro video or a a moving you know animated emoji and that's all really exciting stuff but it's just kind of become um, embedded in in lots of different services so it's it's just around and it's um, everywhere but people don't need high tech versions of it often actually just a really simple emoji or you know a thumbs up. It's a
1: throwaway piece of
0: throwaway. Yeah, it's and a it, digital you know,
1: chip wrapper fundamentally.
0: And it can be really lo fi. So we don't really need the kind of the high end version. So I guess what went wrong is perhaps a lesson in, you know, test and learn early. Test your ideas with your audience and see if what you're producing actually um, you know, for, it hits the sweet spots for, for for people and is something that people really want.
1: So you 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 let's go back to it for a few seconds what was it called again
0: so that was called little world gifts okay and it was um you know quite well received we had a fair few users lots of people tried it out liked it
1: Um, what what did you build it on was it an app or was it a website
0: it was an app it was a native iphone app wow okay um so quite you know some quite complicated tech in there um and it looked great. <laughs> but that was, you know, a long time ago.
1: Is it? Is it something given that maybe phones are more um, advanced and technology has moved on and... Network broadband is, you know, bandwidth is much simpler and cheaper. Is it something that could come back or is it something you've fundamentally gone, no, that was just the wrong thing. And it isn't the wrong thing at the wrong time. It was just the wrong thing.
0: Um, I think it was possibly the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I think nowadays people use their phones differently from how we use them. 10 years ago, even iPhone, you know, how people are using smartphones has changed in 10 years. Um, And today, you know, we'll be talking later about video, um, you know, micro video services Mm -hmm. where people are creating 15 second video content to send to each other. And that in itself is a, a creative expression. You know, people want to send each other things, share things with the world Um, there are so many mechanisms now for everybody to be able to do that and everybody to be able to be creative you know the idea um, that we can suddenly create a video put in graphics, um, emojis, other animations pull text into it, edit it, colour it in put special effects on it and we can do all of that in in a matter of seconds if not minutes um, and share that with the world is just absolutely amazing so technology's definitely moved on and the emphasis has shifted, I think to, to people being the content creators.
1: Okay so that was that was version two. Where yeah. do we go from there? Where, what came next?
0: Yeah, so I've spent a lot of my career as a technology consultant, and I've helped lots of businesses develop their own consumer products um, and also lots of businesses to solve their own internal technology issues. And, you know, as part of that, I've worked um, on the consumer end, but also within businesses looking at things like information security, enterprise mobility, always been a big fan of mobile and helping both people and businesses grasp it and do really good things with it. Um, So with that experience, over the past three or four years, I started working on more and more consulting projects that were in the, the, the area of information security and even cyber security. And I found cyber security to be a particularly exciting space. And of course, it's in the news every day as well. Um you know anything from uh, nation state cyber warfare to you know um teenage hackers and the damage that they can create um and everything in between so I just found cyber super interesting it's it's actually a, a relatively established industry it's been 's been around for a while there 's lots of technology in it there's lots of deep tech um there's other people you know creating really exciting new types of businesses to help businesses um and people to protect so, themselves
1: so what you're saying is how how does it work is it is it them observing changes or how how, how does this sort of service work so we're talking about this cyber security yeah. so you were saying that they analyze big data and they look at how so yeah. we were saying that i think we were talking about the fact that it, it, it it looks for differences or changes or anom- an- anomalies. Yeah. I can't even say that word today.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so so, so I think, um, you know, there are changes within the cybersecurity industry and within how people um, create uh, secure environments. So how they used to do it was um, you would have you know, technology that would protect your network and your endpoints. That's all your computers within a business. And you'd have maybe um, systems for monitoring that. Um, and you would have a team of analysts whose job it was to watch those monitoring tools and analyze and, and look out for threats that come in. So that's basically like you're sitting there waiting to be attacked and you have to stop the attack. Right. Um And I'm trying to make this as simple as possible, because if I start talking jargon, you know, I'll be lost quite quickly. Well, you lose me. Yeah.
1: So so. that's
0: basically how it used to work. It'd be like sitting there and kind of waiting for the the attack and then stopping it. Okay. And um, the new way of looking at cybersecurity is the opposite of that. It's about leveraging everything that we have with computing power um, through um, big data, data analytics user behavioral analytics and trying to um as you say not first of all analyzing what normally happens so looking at what normal is like for your environment and then spotting an anomaly
1: so so yeah I, i was telling you about um uh alexa have got a service called hunch that they have launched in the us coming to the uk very shortly that does exactly this and what Hunch does is takes all the, the data from your IoT devices and your normal behaviour so if I turn the coffee machine on in the morning and then I turn the lights on in the afternoon and the evening I go out and the ring doorbell close whatever whatever I do as normal um, it's called Hunch and what it does is it analyses all that data exactly as you said and then looks for the anomaly so it says oh it's, it's 11 o'clock you normally turn the lights off on TV and go to bed now. So have you forgotten to turn the lights off? And so I think that's quite interesting that systems are going to be, are they passively or actively monitoring us? I I guess it's active monitoring, but in a passive role, Yeah. as in they're in the background, not constantly prompting us. But when something changes, that's abnormal, then they will alert us. Now, in your case, it's the area of cybersecurity. So it's an attack maybe occurring or something maybe happening. Uh, But in the case of Alexa, it's a case of uh, just in the home. Now, that may be because one of the services that's coming, uh, Amazon bought ring.com, the the doorbell people. They've got a wireless home um, alarm system. And one of the things we're all waiting for, if you're into the IoT world and creating, is the ability to uh, integrate your Alexa with the ring doorbells but door sensors, window sensors, and all that. So it will be, for example, um, uh, you know, I leave the house, uh, Alexa, using something called Guard, will know that I've left. It's like a monitoring service. Uh, And then it will know, ah, but you've left the window open or you've left the front door open or whatever, and so then it can remind you. So it's quite interesting how, I think, cybersecurity, as you call it, um, but also just machine learning and big Mm -hmm. data and AI combined together is going to provide that uh, level of intelligence that we currently don't have, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think it, it is those things. It's AI and machine learning and big data and then understanding context on top of that. So, um, yes, if you uh, leave the house and it's an, an anomaly, then Alexa might pick it up as a threat. Um, or that something's happened but um, then layering in more intelligence you'd be able to say okay but the context of that is that i know sam's going out because of x y and z so this is actually fine yes it it
1: is a normal activity
0: it is a normal activity yes exactly so it's layering on lots of different data sets to add the context to that to allow it to make an informed decision
1: okay so the path that you've taken the three startups you've the one you've got started now uh, who are you aiming this at, and, and what's the problem you're trying to fix?
0: So, um, having worked in or near the kind of cybersecurity industry for for a, a little while, um, I I spotted that there's all this exciting deep tech around, and it it really is really exciting and, and will help um, a lot. Um, but there wa- there wasn't much really out there for real people, and when you talk about cybersecurity, it's you know it's often on the news. And it's always you kind of fear driven some there's some unknown character who's like a hoodied hacker and it's always or a gang of criminals, or it's a nation state threat or something really utterly terrible and so it's something that most people just simply don't understand so there's no wonder that people switch off and I also did a lot of research into um how well protected we are, actually you know just regular people um regardless of our you know job description etc and even tech people are often really not particularly well protected um so I, I found that there there was really this um problem to be fixed which is that we we a lot of us know that we need to do, take steps to protect ourselves online um keep our stuff safe etc but that we don't and so that's the area that i'm looking at at the moment for my new business and i'm just at the start of it but i'm researching in that area trying to understand what motivates people and how i could help people become better so give us
1: give us some examples of things that people aren't doing that they should do the basics i guess yeah
0: um i did some research on passwords the other day um and there's a report by one of the password manager companies I think it's Dashlane and they anonymized, um passwords that were saved in the service and analysed them and found out that the most commonly used password was 123456 <laughs> yeah I know and, and the second most commonly used password was the word password just as is um, and then underneath that there's a kind of horror show of other terrible passwords like passwords with a zero instead of an o and and then and the list goes on and then people's pets names are used very often um
1: so far i'm okay not use one two three four five six all password or pets name <laughs> so we're good so far
0: <laughs> very good um but people often um you know are a bit slack on password security and password security is really important
1: but it's difficult i mean if you've got 50 different sites and you're actively using the internet and websites um you know, I know websites try and get us with uppercase lowercase, one extra character, yeah, but fundamentally, if you knew my password it 's within the same sort of bounds yeah and that 's quite worrying um so i am i'm guilty guilty yeah. as charge of being one of those people, yeah uh, even though i 'm a techie, yeah
2: um,
1: because I just can 't remember stuff, but you know um thumbprint i d or or you know f- uh, thumb buttons on your iphone and you know, my new macbook air has got a um uh touch id that's the word that's the word i'm looking <laughs> for touch id um it's got one of those um so great so I've, I've i'm beginning to lose the need for passwords but but what else could people do today
0: um well i think that uh the 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 kind of advice people are given is starting to change so um if you you know look at uh an official website like a government website or an advice site they would say use strong passwords and they would tell you how to make a strong password up and that that's fine um but the next level on from that as you say is people can't remember them all and need a way to and that's where password managers come in and they really are helpful to a lot of people
1: so that's where you put your password in once to them and they auto create those passwords for you
0: yes and some of them (coughs) suggest Complex and strong passwords as well, so that you can you don 't have to think of a password. they will suggest one to you, you use it, and they yes, you have one password only, and that helps you yeah. then manages all your passwords.
1: Safari, in the, in the latest build of Mojave uh, introduced that same feature into the browser, which is great. Yes. Um, yeah. Except, I said to you earlier when we were talking about this, what if the password company goes down? And they do. They, they all go down eventually. I mean, apart from Google maybe or Amazon.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. I think they would say that they're, they're never going to go away. But certainly the, the move is to um, allowing your device to manage passwords for you as well. So as you said, the Touch ID or the, the retina scan, you know, all of this is um, face ID rather that you... you are going to rely on your device to be that one main password holder. So you you open it all up just by um, Face ID, for example, and then your passwords are filled in.
1: So I think what we're looking at is the death of the password. It's just it hasn't arrived yet.
0: Yeah, there's lots of arguments about this, and and I know a few people working on um, passwordless solutions, and certainly this is where, you know, biometrics comes in and two factor authentication and and all these. Okay,
1: stop. So two factor authentication, A, explain it and B, tell me why I would want it.
0: So the simplest way to explain it is let's say you're using a payment website and you're about to make a payment and it could just, you normally you would just do that online. Let's say you're sat at your desktop and you're just going to do it online, off it goes. Two factor authentication is where it would ask you to confirm that you wanted to do that via a different device. It's just the, the two-factor is the second factor is the other device. So it needs some other way for you to say, to confirm, yes, I want this to happen, yes, I'm me, and and I approve this transaction kind
1: of thing. And, and with my online banking, I do that quite happily because that's a level of security that I'm prepared to do. Yeah. But two-factor authentication came to the Mac OS recently. Um, Apple are desperately trying to convert me to two-factor Google tries to convert me to two-factor. And, and to be brutally honest, I can't be bothered with it because it's like, oh, okay, so I'll put this in, then I'll wait for the text, and then i put the, And I think, it's just my email. I'm not that bothered.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people have that issue with it. It is a bit clunky in the sense that it isn't always instant, and if it's still using text messages, that has a delay yeah, a few seconds, sometimes longer. Um, Especially
1: if you you've just gone away and got a coffee come back and then you have to log back into your mail because it's self-locked uh, itself and you go oh god here we go again yeah so
0: you're not going to want to do that for everything people just don't and that that's human nature and you certainly i couldn't imagine a scenario where i was using it on every single service i used all of the time it would just not be feasible um and that's where i think you need to have the right level of security dependent on how you use technology so it depends what you use as to what kind of security measures you need to put in place
1: so uh this week uh amazon alexa again i'm talking about them uh, brought out a voice uh recognition uh, capability so you can train your alexa to the different voices in your house um so that's voice security i guess because what they've allowed me to do at home is for me and my wife to have our voices recorded and then stored as a, uh, a recognition pattern. Um, and what that then does is, if I want to order something in the past to stop my drunken friends just ordering me a Barbie doll, um, <laughs> I put a security code on it. So I could, they could say, order me Barbie doll, um, but it would say, what's the security code? And they wouldn't know that. So that would stop it. But now with this new voice recognition, uh, what's very cool about it is it will recognise it's me So in the morning, I've got a a routine, which is like a series of uh, sequential skills that Amazon plays for me. So I say, good morning, Alexa. And it comes, good morning, today is, tells me a stupid fact of the day, and then it plays um, all my news briefs, but then it plays my calendar. Now, if my wife said it, now that Alexa's got voice command, uh, voice recognition in it, it will play her calendar and her news stories, so she might read a different set of newspapers to me so that's quite nice and that voice security so are we just as I said seeing the death of passwords with thumb or or biometric identity facial identity voice identity retina identity
0: um well I think firstly I I really like the idea of the voice recognition um so I have Siri I don't have Alexa but um, does that work (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Siri's great really good apart from my daughter can now use Siri and she's she's learnt how to sort of instruct Siri to play her favourite songs which are not my favourite songs
1: oh dear
0: yeah so if I don't want to listen to um f- Frozen f- uh, <laughs> you music can't even say it film you? Frozen <laughs> I really never again um if I don't want to listen to Frozen again then I have to find a way to stop her being able to talk to Siri so I think voice recognition would be absolutely great um and provide lots of security as well. Um,
1: You did challenge me, though, earlier. You said, what if one of my friends who's male comes in and starts talking to Alexa? So I don't know the answer. So I'm going to go and find one of my male friends this weekend who comes over, and I'm going to ask him to try and fake it and see if it's me.
0: He might have to fake it. You might have to um, do a really good proper test, and he'd have to try and speak how you speak.
1: That's impossible. (laughs) Well, it
0: might be <laughs> oh, he could have a go, but I, okay. I think Alexa will pro- probably be quite good at spotting.
1: No, I think it'll be fine. You know. um, it'll be interesting. If if it if it doesn't, then that'll be just a failure completely, and I, I, I can't imagine they would release this the mm. software. Um, so, with with that, um, what other things can people? What are, what else are they doing wrong? So that they're, they're not using their passwords. What else? Do yeah. You,
0: So I see this as, or I try and explain it to people as a little bit like how you treat your house. Um, So, you know, you have a lock on your front door, you might have two. You have a lock on your back door, if you have a back door. Oh,
1: on that point, just let me, uh, we we were also mentioning the fact that um, the next version of the August 1 lock that's come out uh, has a capability, it's a skill that you can load onto your Alexa. And now you can ask Alexa, is my front door locked or open? Right, It doesn't lock it or unlock it yet, but it can tell you the state of the door. Amazing. And with the ring, door sensors and window sensors, it will be able to tell you the state of the contact. Fundamentally, is it open or closed? Which is which is a next step. Um, but with voice recognition, we're surmising that you'll be able to walk up to your front door and be able to go, uh, Alexa, let me in. And it will recognise who you are and let you in or not let you in. And you were mentioning two-factor authentication would be good there, which is something like my ring doorbell recognising my face and then Alexa recognising my voice, which I don't have an issue on two-factor authentication that way.
0: No, I think two-factor authentication implemented as you're doing something on one device and you need to send a text message to your mobile to get you to confirm it is a bit clunky but two-factor authentication just if we call it context instead it's just about understanding like having another layer of data to verify the the first instruction so it's something's going to do something and it needs some extra context to make sure that's the right thing to do um so i suppose that's two-factor authentication but just moved moved along a little bit in terms of its evolution um so yes so you'd be stood in front of your front door and you'd ask to come in, it would recognise your voice, but to check it wasn't just a recording of your voice that somebody had taken, um, it would check that it was actually looked yeah, like no, you I, as I, well.
1: I think I would appreciate that. The, because um, a little while back, Amazon tried to launch, and it hasn't really taken off, unsurprisingly, a camera and door capability. So the uh, Amazon camera would be installed in your house and an Amazon lock, fundamentally, would then be installed on your door by an Amazon engineer. And then the next time that you had a parcel being delivered, they would be able to come to the door, put their unique code in, leave it inside the door. The camera would then take a photo of them leaving it so that you knew they weren't going to your toilet (laughs) or running around the house and doing whatever. Um, Strangely, not many people took that service up.
0: No. No. It's, it's interesting though, they might, or they might start, I could see if they started having boxes to put outside the door, like secure
1: Well, the, boxes. the problem is it's an Amazon and personal problem. So um, I think Amazon had over a billion dollars worth of packages stolen, lost, whatever, last year. Uh, my neighbour round the corner was telling me, Susie was saying, um, that she had a package delivered on her door. She got the notification from Amazon that the package had been delivered um, with a photo when she got home from work, it was gone. So you can see where they would like to have that capability, but it's sort of over the creepy line, letting a stranger have access to your house. I think. Yeah, definitely. So okay, so we we'll let's go back to some of the problems again that people are doing. So right,
0: so back to back to the house analogy. So sorry, I interrupted. It's right. <laughs> so it's really just like having. You know, understanding that there are different types of security you need for your house, there are different types of security you need for your digital lifestyle. And I think most people know that, but, and most people know what some or all of the basic steps are, but most people don't seem to do all of them. So they've got one door open, probably is where the problem really is. So um, in addition to passwords, there's the concept of software update, which mm-hmm. I think most of us know we ought to do. And we know that we ought to do it because it comes with security updates. So they might, you know, sell it to us on, oh, great new feature in this version, but actually it's probably got a security update in it as well.
1: Yeah, so um, having been uh, an ex-Microsoft employee um, and been a windows user i'm no longer a windows user i'm a mac user um the number of times that microsoft would send you became the point of actually i can't be bothered i think it became so frequent and so often um whereas with my mac i do do the updates regularly and often because they feel like they you know they'll they will remind you a couple of times do it in an hour do it tonight do it overnight um it's it's they seem to have got it for me uh Mm. better so i do actually carry out the action
0: yes and you of course you can set it to do it automatically and it will find a time when it's not going to bother you and that's often overnight if it's plugged in but for a lot of people you'd have to make sure you found the time to do it um and i think that's the problem there is often reluctance from people to have it doing automatically and um I've actually interviewed quite a lot of people over the last few months about their cybersecurity attitudes. And people think all sorts of things about it. They think that um, it's going to, you know, um, slow down their computer by adding more software to it, bigger files. It's going to slow down their computer whilst it's downloading, which may be a thing, you know. um, Or they don't trust it somehow. And it's like, well, I think... Actually, of all
1: the things you do trust is the operating system provider.
0: Yeah.
1: Although, I'll say that there was a lawsuit this week. Uh, somebody did an update of their Adobe um, Photoshop or their Premiere Suite or whatever, deleted all of their images. So oh. they're suing Adobe this week. <laughs> so, I, having just said, you know, trust the person whose software. Yeah. I mean, again, one of the things on the Mac, and I haven't used a Windows laptop in years, so I couldn't tell you if it exists or not, is they've got something called File Vault. Um, so if you try and load a new file and it's not a signed file, as in it's been gone through some sort of Apple verification, it will say to you, this file is not. Now, at your own risk, you can unlock the file vault, load it and then close the file vault. So I think, you know, the operating system manufacturers are getting better. Um, as, as we mentioned earlier, Safari's put in a password manager although I'll, i'll let on i don't still use it um but you know i think they're getting better at this thing so um is it just user behavior now that's poor
0: um well i think if you if you're choosing to ignore the software updates you're choosing to ignore security updates and you know we don't know what goes on in the background it's it's highly likely that that um, you know, hackers try and find what well, they do. They try and exploit anything they can within software, any flaws they can find, they will try and exploit. So there are teams of people whose job it is to um make that software better, to patch it or do whatever they do to, to fix the, the flaws. And um then they push that out as an update. And if you choose not to install that, you'll be using some software that still has those security flaws in. And, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. I think if, if I was offered you know, better software that was more secure, I'd take it. I think uh,
1: most people that I know who, who don't do it... So we talked to people about one of the other problems is people don't do backups as well.
0: Yeah, so... So backups, it's it's a bit boring, isn't it? Backups. Not
1: if you lose all <laughs> of your children's photos, I promise you. Exactly. That is when everyone goes, ah, I haven't got a backup, can you help?
0: Yeah, and then they'll go to all sorts of lengths, like they'll take their computer to repair shop and kind of cry and, and all of this stuff to try and get <laughs> someone to help. And As if like, that's <laughs> going to
1: change anything. Yeah,
0: um, well, you know, backup is, is boring, but it, you just set it up once, you set it up to do it automatically, and then you never need to worry, and... Um, whilst um, ransomware is not actually the biggest fear in terms of cyber security people seem a little bit blase about ransomware because they don't think it's going to happen to them
1: what is ransomware for those who Sorry.
0: don't know so ransomware is you're using your computer and then you try to use it one day and you can't and there's a screen there that says something along the lines of we've you know we've locked this you're locked out we've got all your data you can't have it back you can't have any of it back unless you pay us some money yes um so they're holding it to ransom basically
1: okay so you can overcome that very simply by
0: by backing up yeah. if if all your stuff is backed up you wouldn't care because you can start again you wipe your hard drive and start again um and all your lovely photographs, all your email, all your documents, all of that stuff that's important to you will still exist and you won't have had to pay the ransom. And you'll know that you're kind of, um, you know, uh, protected from that, from that kind of cyber threat. So backup is boring, but it's really helpful should anything go wrong. And there are loads of backup services that are free unless you have a gigantic amount of data. And even if then, they're still cheap for what they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, with me, I, I never store anything locally on my Macs. I store everything on iCloud, mm-hmm. which is like a drive. And then I store other stuff maybe on Amazon because I get that free from my Prime account. And then I store other stuff on Dropbox. Yeah. So I, I mix it all up and uh, I think my photos are both on iCloud and then automatically backed up to Google Photos for free and Amazon for free. Yeah. So I, I get that you know people go it's a pain but actually it's not a pain i think you can do that literally uh well in my case zero cost yeah um and you get it and i know that if my macbook air breaks or gets stolen that nothing on it other than the value of the the laptop is lost
0: exactly exactly
1: so okay so we've got a bit of backup um and we've got a bit of fishing and anything else you think that people should be doing that they can be doing right now
0: yeah. So um, one thing, and you mentioned phishing. Um, phishing again, and we were talking about context. So phishing is is not hugely successful. So hackers who send phishing email out have to send them in the many hundreds of thousands to get anybody to bite. Really, because people are quite savvy, yeah. savvier than they. We
1: we know there's no Nigerian prince now.
0: We do. Good. <laughs> um, but they. They're still at it, and some of them still work, the fitting emails.
1: So I had the most scary one, which was somebody rang, so it's not quite... They rang the house at seven in the morning and said it was the inland revenue and that my tax hadn't been paid and that the bailiff was on the way.
0: Yeah, I had something
1: similar. Oh, that. my God, you've never seen me get out of bed so fast. <laughs>
0: sure they've got me. <laughs> oh,
1: no, my no. name's not Donald Trump, allegedly. <laughs> um, no, I, I knew that I was clean, but I'm like that sounded authentic enough mm-hmm. for me to worry and then i rang the number back and it was sounded dodgy so i put the phone down then i rang the actual inland revenue and i went uh, did you do x no sir we wouldn't do that <laughs> i was like god anyway sorry i digress <laughs> yes so phishing
0: so phishing um and that was actually vishing if it was voice yes voice fishing. yes and smishing is sms
1: fishing it's getting far too complex. But SMS is. phishing is a new thing that's come out right now. Yes. It's quite big.
0: And I had one of those the other day, <clears throat> apparently from HSBC. And of course, HSBC in the US was breached um, a few days ago. So if you send uh, an, a message to lots of potential HSBC customers, some of them who, if they are HSBC customers, might click the link that says, here's how to reset your account. You know, So you have to be really careful. There's often... Um, Phishing attacks that are based on other real security breaches that you will have heard about in the news. Right. Um, But on the um, topic of phishing, so going back to the context, um, social media is a you know, if somebody really wanted to fish you specifically, they could look up all sorts of stuff about you on social media. And depending on what you'd shared... Please don't. (laughs) But depending on what you'd shared, you could um, find out more context about somebody. So so that's where context can be used to build a a more convincing phishing scam. Um, And, you know, if they're more convincing, because they've got stuff about you or where you've been or who you've been hanging out with... Um, then you might be more likely to fall for the scam.
1: Okay, so uh, Chrome 71 came out this week uh, and they're trying to stop malware, unwanted software ads, ads redirecting, auto redirects, mouse pointer, hidden. And it says here, phishing, ads or page elements that attempt to steal personal information or trick your users into sharing personal information. So again, uh, it's good to see that the technology is trying to come out with ways of helping us as users but i go back to your point which is very clearly made which is um, users have to actually install it though to, for it to be working um, which they don't seem to do
0: yes and there are i would say services like that you know they're looking at the, the next level so the stuff we can do to protect ourselves that's really obvious and then things like that like ad blockers and Use, helping you know using. There are lots of things that are coming out into the market that will help you block this, that, or the other. And there are lots of antivirus and anti malware solutions. Um, And it's a case of finding something that works for you, depending on what sites and services you use. So if you visit lots of websites that have lots of ads that. you know you're a bit worried about they seem a little bit scammy or all sorts of ads shown on things you use and you know you know we would know that they've been provided by an ad network Um, and then it's the is it the ad network's job to kind of clamp down on those ads and make sure they're all okay well maybe it is but also the browser can help so browsers that help um, protect you against threats from ads.
1: Great. Oh, I, I use an ad blocker on everything. I
0: do. Same on my mobile. <laughs> no.
1: What's an advert? Tell me what's an advert. I haven't seen one in years. Yeah. No, there are. I mean, obviously there are native ads and they still work. But I think um, ad blockers, if you don't install one, are a. Are a yeah, I think a pretty good way on your mobile although data isn't that big a thing anymore you get quite a lot of it and the bandwidth um it will speed up your pages simply because you won't get ads loading um same with your laptop at home or or ipad um one of the other areas we talked about is vpns as well yes what's a vpn
0: so a vpn is a virtual private network and what that means really is that nobody can oversee what you're doing online um now you might think no one can oversee what you're doing online anyway but the truth is um if you're using you know wi-fi network um that's perhaps a bit less secure than it you might want it to be and you have to be quite careful Um, if you're using public wi-fi networks, especially free ones you you might want to be careful of using those i generally tend and i learned this through working for a a big corporate client you know we just simply were not allowed to use free wi-fi networks you would use you'd find in a cafe because they're quite often hacked and are they apparently so and they can be spoofed as well so sometimes you can find yourself on a network that you think is a trusted network and it might not be Um, So, VPNs um, are there to, you know, provide you a private connection to the internet that nobody can watch, basically. Okay. um, And you can find VPN software, you know, you can get it online. It's not particularly expensive.
1: Well, on that note, this week, Cloudflare brought out their new VPN. Now, Cloudflare is a DNS, uh, uh, a... DNS server is basically where you register all of your URLs and they, they point people to the right URL for services. Um they've got Cloudflare um has got their own VPN and I just load it onto my iPhone, it's brilliant. And it uses the code or the uh URL uh IP address, one dot one dot one dot one. And Google's is eight dot eight dot eight dot eight. Um so yeah, it was amazing that Cloudflare got one dot one dot one. I think they bought it from a Chinese uh, manufacturer who had it and registered it very very early on. Um yeah and again, highly recommend Chrome seventy one, Cloudflare one and dot one dot one. Um and yeah, password managers, uh, backups. Yeah. Um, there's lots. Okay, we are gonna go to your first track, I think. Um we're gonna have a little bit of well, this is Justin Timblake. Why are we having Justin?
0: Um, we're having Justin because uh, my daughter really likes the film Trolls. I've watched it so many times and I've become, you know, a big fan.
1: OK, well, let's have a little bit of... A snake trouser, I think he's called, but I'm going to avoid that conversation. Here's Justin. I got this
3: feeling inside my bones It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on
0: To Sam Sethi on Marlow FM. He's got a face for radio.
1: Thank you very much, indeed. So kind of you to say so. Yes, I have a face for radio, and you will never know. Um, welcome back, if you've been listening. Thank you very much. This is Marlow FM. My name's Sam Sethi, of course, and we are listening to Sam Talks Technology with my guest, Katie Lips. Hello, Katie again.
0: Hello.
1: So, dear, there you go. A bit of Justin. Did you enjoy that?
0: I did. Yes, I love a bit there of Justin? You go. I do
1: like a bit of Justin as well. I like some he reminds me of that sort of Bruno Mars, Michael Jackson type singer. <laughs> okay, I'm on my own. There we go. Right, we we we've talked a little bit about um, some of the challenges around cybersecurity and, and you you're starting a business in this area. But you're not going in with the need to go and find, let's say, seed funding, VC funding. You're using a methodology you've you termed, or which is out there, called Lean Startup. So can you tell us more about
0: that? Yeah, sure. So um, I've worked with the concept of Lean um, for quite a while with some clients of mine, consulting clients. And, um, you know, it's it's a term that's been around for a while. And a lot of people in business, especially in tech, seem to know what it is and and generally it means that you operate in a way where you're not being very wasteful you're kind of eliminating waste moving forward based on validated learnings so there's a lot of test and learn it goes kind of hand in hand with innovation um, and innovation theory and you know how to build an innovative business um, which is really one that's always learning in my opinion and so I thought right I'm hoping to start a business, how do I do this, you know, and in the past, I'm just as guilty as a lot of people of sort of, you know, building a product, and then waiting making sure it's really really good in my opinion and then putting it out there to see what people think about it and then you know if people don't react how you want them to react being quite upset at the end you know if you don't get as many users as you would like etc certainly
1: angels investors don't get very happy when you do that no
0: they don't and and it's but you know there are you know there are plenty of angel investors out there but they you know, generally want to see some progress and to, to have the idea validated. And that's rightly so. You know, if I was an investor, I'd want to invest in something that I thought, yeah, there's plenty of people interested in this. And so um, the Lean methodology seemed to be a good choice. So... Um, who,
1: who started that then?
0: Right. So there's a book, I'm looking at a copy of it here by Eric Reese called The Lean Startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book basically talks about how... Um, you need to instead of doing what i said earlier where you spend months building a product and not asking anybody what they think you start by validating your assumptions so say if i want to start a cyber business then the first thing i would do would be talk to people about their attitudes towards cybersecurity what are they afraid of what can i help them with and try and actually validate that if i have a really good product idea that i've had one morning that it's your not
1: your eureka but, moment in the bath yeah
0: exactly you know that we that we don't just have one idea and go after it, that we test that really early on with, with real customers. That's
1: where I'm going wrong. I've only got one idea.
0: <laughs> well, I actually think ideas are cheap, you know. If you, yes, I, I yes. fully agree. If you're the kind of person who has ideas, you probably have lots of ideas. And you could choose to, do any one of those ideas but it's about which one and therefore it's the execution that's important
1: yes i fully agree execution yeah. is the key i think somebody said they invented the email and took oh god took the people to court and lost millions because they proved that he never invented email he had the idea but yeah. he never actually did anything with it
0: exactly yeah.
1: Anyway, sorry. Go on.
0: <laughs> I've invented loads of things. Yes. I- <laughs> in in my
1: sleep, I'm sure I've invented more as well.
0: Exactly. So it's really about how and how do you start? So if you've had this great idea and you think this could be big, you know, there's lots of lots to it. So no one has a, an idea for a startup nowadays, particularly, and it, it's never super simple, is it? You know, there's always lots to it. There's lots of assumptions that have to be true for it to work. And so Lean Startup really is a methodology to help you break it all down and say, let's start from the beginning and let's validate those assumptions. Let's check the things that need to be true are, in fact, true. And if you can prove they're true and that there's a consumer need for something, then you can learn a bit more and say, OK... So how
1: do you go about validating? What have you done to to test your model then?
0: Right. So instead of um, spending... I've, and I've been working on this a couple of months, so instead of spending that two months, um, you know, designing one product, and the one idea, working on the one idea, I've been um, asking customers what they think and um, creating prototypes that are very lightweight, so not like an MVP or a minimum viable product um, or of like an app or something quite big, you know, not that, but maybe doing a paper prototype or maybe using... Um, various online software to design websites. So you're making a web page that looks like it's a fully blown website with a product behind it, but it's just one page that says what the product does. Yeah,
1: a holding page.
0: A holding page or a landing page. And you're basically going, would you buy this? And then you're showing it to people. And you don't need to actually build the thing to get their feedback on it. And it's been really, really powerful because you learn so much stuff. You learn... Um, what they think of your page. You know, you learn all sorts of stuff about what they think of your web design, colour schemes, all sorts of helpful information. Yes, everyone's an expert. Everyone's an expert. But you also learn what they really think (coughs) about the product and what their real pain points are. And then you can use that to get into conversation and delve a little bit deeper about what's really bothering people, what kind of products they might use, what they wouldn't use. Um, And then at each step, you sit back and you say, okay, what have I learnt here? and you document it so you're not just thinking okay i'll do something different and then test that you need to be quite methodical and measure exactly what um what you've learned so how many people said yes if so why did they if no you know why didn't they what's stopping someone buying it what fears would someone have around your product how can you get over that and then Um, you create another prototype or you do something slightly different. Or maybe you just change one thing about your prototype and retest.
1: So how did you overcome the Henry Ford challenge? You know, when he asked people what they wanted, they didn't say a car, they said a faster horse.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, And exactly. And so what we're not doing here with this methodology is asking people what they want. Right. We're... um, Testing
1: the thing that you've already determined they want. Yes. To see if there is a genuine want.
0: Yes. Okay. And and asking for their feedback on how to improve it a bit. You know, what would make it even better for you? What would, you know, how would I reach you with this product is an interesting thing, actually, because... Um, certainly in the the area that I'm looking at, and um, as we talked about earlier with cyber security, loads of people know they could be a bit better at protecting themselves, but people aren't really that bothered. So actually my challenge is how can I convince people that they really, really need to do something? Um, no one's looking for a product to be a bit better protected. You might look for antivirus or something like that. So how can I find people where they're just hanging out online and start a conversation with them and make it much more engaging. So I'm trying to learn about how to reach people as much as I'm trying to learn about what the product might be.
1: Okay, well, we're fast approaching the news at three o'clock. Gosh, that's gone quite quick. Um, When we come back, what we're going to talk about is your book of the week. Maybe you can tease people. What's the book called?
0: Uh, The book is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying. Okay,
1: now you're going to have to sell this very hard as to why anyone would want to read that book.
0: Um, wait, it's well, we'll, my we'll,
1: life. well, it's changed your <laughs> life and we'll find out why. And we'll also find out a little bit more about um, why that would be helpful within the business that you're looking at. Um, because again, you know, if the book has changed your life, hopefully it's changed it in your work environment as well, not just your home environment. Um, the app of the week, with a well-known app this week we're going to be talking about instagram but i think there's a, a broader discussion around instagram yeah. such as where we're we going with facebook snapchat and and others because there's a lot in the news this week about them uh, outside of that we will also have some more music from katie's list
0: you're listening to sam talk technology please tell your friends <laughs>
2: forever, so sad to lose your love, I've been crazy since you lived I'm sorry for what I've done, why did you go, why did you go, have you ever had a broken heart, have you ever lost your mind? So long.
1: a bit of Primal Scream. Cry Myself Blind. Where's that from? Where's it from? Yeah, yeah. You were ta- telling me that there was not a lost album somewhere.
0: There is. So this this version of it actually, I think, is the the Memphis recordings or something. Yee-haw. Uh, exactly. And I think the story goes that they recorded it 20 years ago, whatever, and then it got lost and it stuck in a basement somewhere, and someone found it recently, so they released it as an album. <laughs>
1: Can you imagine? Oh, what's this thing? What's this? Well, it, I think it's an album we wrote.
0: Did we do that?
1: Yes. <laughs> Although with Prince, to be fair, they found like 7,000 tracks he wrote. I mean, when or some crazy number, not 7,000, clearly, but he wrote a crazy number of tracks. And they're releasing it. And I always think, no, don't do it. It's like finding old Beatles tracks that they never released. It's like they didn't release it because it wasn't good enough. Don't go, you know, it's like going through someone's sock drawer. Now, talking (laughs) of going through someone's sock drawer and throwing things out, nice link, thank you very much. What's your book of the week?
0: So my book of the week is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying by a lady called Marie Kondo.
1: Right, and that probably what primal scream did they read the book and found their album
0: they did exactly so <laughs> <Go laughs>
1: so what's this book about it says it on the tin but go on it
0: does it on the tin um it's sa- it also says on the tin a simple effective way to banish clutter forever and it I, is that ever forever yeah okay so how how i got onto this book was that my husband paul came home one day with this book and i i did scoff at him i'm afraid i did laugh <laughs> Um, was that your birthday present <laughs> no he 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 bought it for himself i think and he read it and i got a bit annoyed and thought but our house is tidy what what are you saying about my tidying skills you know there's nothing wrong here um and then he started folding his socks in a new way and I okay. got quite disturbed so I thought Did you not give him this. sky
1: television or something? Does he <laughs> not have anything else to
0: do? So I thought I've got to read this for myself so I read the book and I kind of quite liked it and what it's about really is that although, so although in our house it was tidy on the surface if you opened a cupboard it wasn't tidy and I used to walk around the house getting quite upset because I'd sort of know that in a room I was sat in that there was a cupboard with disorder in it and things that shouldn't be there and it was just generally a mess. And, you know, that that feeling of, oh, well, I could clean that out and that's just a bit annoying. And and all of these feelings of being annoyed by stuff and having too many things and not getting rid of things that you need to get rid of. And then the book came along and just helped you figure all of that out. And I think the simple premise of the book is that you've got to discard things that you don't actually like. Right. And, of course, over the years, if you have a, a house or even a a small apartment, you build up lots and lots of stuff. So every time you move house, you're moving more and more boxes with you until you're looking at things thinking, well, I've had this for 20 years. I've no idea why I've kept it. It's been in a box in a loft, (laughs) moved to the next loft, and then moved to the next loft, and I don't want it. Um, So it's time to get rid of Is this modern
1: Feng Shui?
0: I think it is. And it's... It's about being able to get rid of things you don't need and the, the measure she uses to decide if you're going to get rid of it or not is you ask yourself the question, does this bring me joy?
1: Oh, mm. okay.
0: And so if you're looking Can we at, do that with the family? <laughs> I'm sure they bring you joy. They do, actually. <laughs> um, so, if But if something doesn't bring you joy, be it like... Uh, a vase someone gave you that you don't really like jill the
1: polar bear (laughs) thing with the candle that doesn't bring me joy
0: no joy so if it doesn't bring you joy you can get rid of it you can discard it and katie says i can discard (laughs) it (laughs) um so Mary kondo doesn't specify how you discard things she doesn't go that far but um having followed the book um Pretty pretty much, not to the letter for me. I haven't done the sock drawer thing too well. I think that's maybe a step uh, too far. But I have ordered all my, my wardrobe and my clothes and my jumpers and things. And I've ordered all my books. And I feel much happier. And I think we've actually discarded about 10 carloads full of And how long rubbish. does that
1: last? Okay, I, we're going to come on to why it's valuable to business. But, you know, my wife did that with this, all the spices in the spice, right? She, she did it in alphabetical order. That didn't last didn't long.
0: Last. No, no. Line's too short, isn't M- it? Maybe, but if you, you well, yeah, and you can order things how you want to order things. Yeah, I think okay. the, the the best advice in the book for me is getting rid of all the things you don't need and don't like. Right, and okay. not feeling held back by those things anymore, and you have a lot more space, and things feel a lot calmer.
1: So, have you taken this into the work environment?
0: Um, sort of. So the book kind of makes that promise it says you know if you if you follow this your home will be much nicer and you okay. will feel calmer and it will have a positive impact in other areas of and, your life. Has it? and you think no but but it has it's okay. actually made me feel more organized and you know i in my office i have an office at home where i work and it's tidy and it's a pleasure to be in and there's not boxes of stuff we haven't unpacked in four years and a cupboard full of rubbish it's like i can open the cupboard and i know what's in it and that's great and it just feels like a happier environment
1: to be in. I do agree. We we did this in our house a year ago. We we redecorated we the whole inside and there was a skip outside and lots went in that big skip. Mm. Um but my wife my wife does not work cleanly. She she's a clutter bunny and she has all the clutter around her. My children use all the clutter. In fact they've got a floor drobe, you know, um they throw their clothes onto the floor. Um I you look at me, everything's away, my desk is tidy so, you know, how is this the book I get them?
0: Um, well, I think it could be. I mean, it's, it's very helpful for everybody. I've I've uh, recommended it to a couple of people. Um, and more people have heard of it than you might imagine, actually. So a couple of people, I said, oh, I've, I've read this book. They said, oh, well, actually, what happened was they came around and said, your house looks very tidy. So actually, it has had an impact, even though I thought it was tidy anyway. But... Uh, told them why and they said oh i've heard about that one is that the one about folding your socks i'm not doing that
1: <laughs> yeah well it's on amazon it's 714, 7 seven pounds 14 and it can be delivered to you if you want it on friday yeah there you go that quick um so okay so we've got the book of the week which has been great um did you see alibaba though this week how much they sold so decluttering your house and then go to Alibaba and buying everything you don't want. Um, they sold £30.8 billion of goods on the 11th of the 11th. £30.8 billion in a day. Just one day. It's called Singles Day, which is the one, 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 one. Mm. Um, they sold $1 billion in the first 24 seconds. That is just mental. That's amazing. I'm sorry. Um, so... Even if you did declutter your house, if you go to Alibaba, you're going to clutter it again. You can get it all back if you and, miss it. And talking about cluttering your house again, are you buying anything on Black Friday this week?
0: Um, no.
1: No. <laughs> Nothing. Not a thing. Do um, you think they're worth it?
0: I find that deals and offers generally are a bit too good to be true or not.
1: Well, I, I I don't wait because often often it's like four pounds off or two pounds yeah. off. Or the other one is they've put it up before the sale and then they go, oh, it's 30% off, but it's only 30% off from last week's price and the week before it was actually cheaper if you bought it. Yeah. I mean, that's been known with TVs and stuff. So, um, no, I'm not a great fan, but uh, my wife, who's a non-exec director on two large retailers that I won't mention on air, um, has said that the sales for both retailers have stalled. Right. This week, literally, their they, their sales compared to last year in the same week are eleven percent down. Is
0: that because people are waiting?
1: <clears throat> That's what she thinks. What she's hoping, because mm. if it isn't, then there's another reason.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but yeah, so Black Friday. Then we've got Cyber Monday. Mm-hmm. We've got Give It Away Tuesday. I'm not sure what Wednesday and Thursday they've got yet. But um yeah, it seems to be these, these days are being formed to to try and push out e commercey things. Um Jd dot com again in America in the far east and china is going to be doing their day very soon and they they go in the billions in fact, i i said to my wife you know the one thing with the alibaba thing they do it like a qvc so they have a show a tv show but they don't have some horrible presenter who nobody knows they have you know britney spears and justin timberlake selling stuff and it's like Kanye west so i'm going to go home and just see the first 24 seconds i've just got to find out why or how they sell so yeah. much so quick um so going on and moving forward what's your app of the week
0: um so my app of the week is not a new app or not even a new app to me but i wanted to talk about instagram because i've been Mm. using it with more um excitement recently
1: okay so we all know instagram or we all think we know instagram so what why have you come back to it because i know i know my daughter who My youngest daughter hasn't even got a Facebook account. It's like Facebook's for grandma and granddad and mum and dad, and I don't want to be on there. Um, And we can't call it Instagram because we're not down with the kids. We have to call it Insta. It is Insta. Insta.
0: Um, Avo for avocado. (laughs) What's that one? Avocado. It doesn't seem to be called avocado anymore. It's just called Avo.
1: Should we just abbreviate everything down to two letters and make it as. Anyway, so with Insta. Um, why have you gone back to it? Or why have you not gone back to it, but why have you embraced it again?
0: Yeah, so um, I started using Instagram probably quite early for Instagram when I was posting a lot of pictures of um, my artwork, but also other people's artwork. And it was more of a, for me, about pretty pictures um, and finding people interested in a similar topic.
1: And what's your uh, Instagram account?
0: So I've got two. Um, I've got my own one, which is just Katie Lips. And then I'm experimenting with some of my cyber security tips. So I've set up a new one in the last week or so called MyCyber. I think, yeah, MyCyber.io is the... Website name, so it's mycyber.io. Um, and the hashtag mycyber will take you to some of my posts.
1: Brilliant, okay. But um, so why back to Instagram though? Why so, not go to Facebook or Twitter or, or other platforms?
0: Right, so I was looking at this and I thought, well, I, I wanted to test, you know, uh, for for the startup's perspective, how, how Instagram works as an engagement platform. And I actually talked to several other business people and they said they used it as a primary channel to reach other businesses and they weren't even launching a consumer service so these what, business were business to business business to business what happened to Instagram? linkedin i don't know well, i was really surprised by that
1: I, I i'm not a linkedin user i can't remember the last time i logged into linkedin
0: yeah i mean i'm on linkedin but i don't everyone's on it. it yeah but you don't kind of use it. well i don't use it no. very much. but so so it turned out that although
1: the, i do know people out there andrew jarrod stephen Ta- stuart townsend <laughs> Who use it heavily, but anyway, apart from you two, no one else uses it. <laughs> right, moving on.
0: Right. So, so more and more people I talk to from a business perspective would say, yeah, we just use Instagram now. We find it really easy to reach the right, you know, the the right user. We we can find our customer on it. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. So, um, I'm just experimenting with it and following a lot of people and and learning about how other people are using it in in a business context and and how how it can be used for engagement. But it's a different type of engagement, isn't it? Because um, Facebook, you, you kind of, you know, other than um, business pages, you, you need to be proper friends with people. Whereas Instagram, you can come across content from people you've never met and you're never going to meet, but you can still engage with them in, in a nice lightweight so you, you way. You don't
1: have to be their friend. It's, it's, it's not no. a social friend follow model. It's just a follow model for interest.
0: Yes, it is. a
1: stalker I would, model.
0: Yeah. And I think that the, Content's evolved, or the content that I'm seeing has evolved. So, different people use it in different ways for different things. And there is still the kind of hardcore set of people who will still use it to post beautiful pictures or to make their pictures look more beautiful. Mm Because Instagram was so popular in the beginning because it was great at turning kind of rubbishy pictures into quite nice pictures. With its filters, yeah. Yeah, with its filters. So, that's (laughs) why, you know, it was good and and took off because it made things look good. And there are still people who share nice photography, but a lot more and more people are using Instagram and kind of reappropriating it and using it in different ways. So obviously there's now video on there, which is great. And people are also using it to post uh, pictures, but the pictures have text in it basically. So it's messaging. So there's a lot of kind of, um, business advice and, you know, how to build a billion-dollar startup type of advice or how to be super fit and healthy kind of advice and all those things which have lots of followers and, um, you know, life coaching and all, all that kind of content. I just find that whole thing really interesting because people consume it. People seem to really want this this little daily dose of, of stuff. And
1: Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because, I, I, you know, other than the radio show, I build websites for people. And a lot more of the software I use like Shopify and Squarespace and WordPress are building tighter and better integration to the e-commerce side of their site. So, you know, several of my clients, for example, have now asked me to integrate Instagram into their fashion site or their florist site, as an example. And, you know, what they want to do is put the picture up, but then as you hover over the picture, has a a hyperlink back to their shop. Um, And one of my clients... um, Janice has said, you know, she's putting more and more stuff up of her jewellery onto Instagram. And like you said, she's finding new customers, not because they're friends of hers or they're even local. Mm-hmm. You know, she's finding, I think she's had come some from Australia, some from Canada. So, but why didn't Facebook have this capability with Facebook fan pages and stuff? I mean, they seem to have lost it. Um, I
0: think sometimes simplicity wins. Um, Instagram you know, Facebook does a lot of different things. So you can go on Facebook and choose from several different activities. You can communicate with people through Messenger, you can read what people are up to in the newsfeed, you can interact. And in the Talking of interacting,
1: sorry to interrupt. If you want to interact with us, I forgot I should have mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh yeah, you can go onto our Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology, and just stick as a question. And by the way, the podcast will be there later. Back to you, Katie. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so there's lots. Of, I think I was saying there's lots of different types of stuff to do on on Facebook, whereas on Instagram is a bit purer. Like the activity is a bit simpler, you know. And it's um, maybe it's just easier as that as a time filler on your way to work or on your way home. And I I actually did some research on best times for Instagram posting. Recently.
1: And what did you
0: find? I found that um, at the work day is a bad times. So people are busy. Obviously, you'd hope that people are too busy to be looking at Instagram. I have a story for (laughs)
1: that, but you go on.
0: Yeah, and so they found that um, between 7 and 9 p.m. is a really good time because people are either on their way home, just got home, a bit bored, want something to do, Um, and, yeah. Digital
1: chip wrapper. Yeah. Flick through stuff. Yeah. Entertain
2: me.
0: Snackable content, I think. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so so I thought that was nice. Um, But I'm, you know, learning about getting followers and, mm-hmm. you know, engaging with people in different ways and finding a home, seeing if I can find a home for, um, you know, tech tips or cyber tips in Instagram and seeing whether or not that works. It may it may not work, but um, it's a good experiment.
1: Well, if you want to come on to the Marlow FM Instagram account, it's hashtag Marlow FM or go at Marlow FM. Um, I, I had a lesson because I'm not an Instagram user. My daughter, my 14-year-old daughter, schooled me on Instagram because I was trying to work out why you can't regram something or mm. reinsta something. I was like, so frustrated. It was like, there's a photo. I want it on my thing. Can't do it. Can't do it. So there's, there, there is third party software that allows you to sort of do it. But she said, no, daddy, watch this. And she went, you just create a story and then you do this and you do that. And then it goes into your story. And suddenly you've got the photo in your story. And you've got all these photos and then they're permanent there and then you can use them. So you have. Not only your feed, you now have stories. And I was like, oh my God.
3: Yeah.
1: Why can't you just do regram and it make my life so much simpler? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have talked about it, Instagram doing that. I think there is a high demand for people to be able to do it. Now, the interesting one is Pinterest, which was similar to Instagram, sort of ticking there in the background. It hasn't died. It feels like a bit like a MySpace. It's just living mm-hmm. there. Do you use it still? Does anyone use it still?
0: Um, I use it for home design projects okay done up my house
1: recently but i don't use it for other things yeah they were trying again i remember because i had a business that uh, did something very similar um they were competing to try and build e-commerce into it um but it never really or hasn't so far that i'm aware of taken off um which is a shame because i thought you know they, they were going when it first came out it was it was like oh okay do you remember Delicious, you know, yeah, the bookmarking yeah. site? It was like a visual Delicious, yes. you know. And yeah. you went, oh, this is great. And then you want the next logical iteration was, yeah, now I've done Delicious and now I've got Visual Delicious. Now I want what we get with Instagram. Buying the things that people were sharing
3: yeah.
0: would have
1: been the greatest thing they did. Yeah. Don't, don't know if it was too hard to do or what. whatever the problem was. Certainly they didn't do it.
0: No.
1: But, um, so Facebook, uh, Dying or going to be with us forever? What's your opinion?
0: Um, so, so it, it, well, for, for me, I'm not a massive Facebook. I'm on Facebook, as is everyone, but I don't use it very often. I'm a bit cautious as well about what I post on there. Um, cautious and, in
1: what way? Why? Well,
0: I'm cautious because I, I see a lot of my peers, so parents of young kids, posting too much stuff about their kids, frankly. And I don't... Really think it's fair. My daughter's four, and I'd like you know I don't want her to grow up and look look at all this terrible terrible pictures I put of her on the internet when she's older and be annoyed with me. And I think it, it should be up to her. So the odd one maybe, but not a continual stream that exposes every minute detail about her life because you never know how that data might be used in the future. I'm a little bit um, cautious about things like that. No,
1: no, and you're wise too. I mean, oversharing. Yeah. Um, I. I guess me and my wife, more me than my wife, I should say. And she would tell me so. Uh, We'd do the first days at school, last days at school, key moments, Halloween, costumes, things like that. Um, Yeah, you can overshare. I I get that. Um, But Facebook, I'm struggling with its position in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Europe, we saw a one million drop in user engagement this month. Or, so number of people logging in now when you've got two point two billion people logging on a day yeah one million drops not much but is it a trend to where it's going is 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 the you know we've had the Cambridge analytica scares we've had the data scares we've had the mark zuckerberg's I'm so sorry mm. um fourteen <laughs> times I think he said I'm so sorry um he's refusing to come to the u k um you know to sit in front of yeah. uh any body that might want to interrogate him i think france have convinced him that they have to have some sort of oversight to it um so I, mean, I don't know where facebook's going i mean i i know my engagement level with facebook has dropped now most of my friends will say no it hasn't but it, it has fundamentally i'm less interested in facebook yeah. m- when i look at my feed now it's full of junk and yeah. and, and ads and stuff so yeah.
0: um i think um it's probably on a a slow decline it's not nothing dra- dramatics going to happen it's not going anywhere for a long time soon i don't think but um i think there's a there's a back you know backstory to this which is the trend in people becoming more aware through news stories like the cambridge Analytica scandal about their data and how it's used or how it could be used yeah um people are more aware of even without scandals, that their data is valuable to other people and they're being a little bit more cautious of it, of how much they share. Um, GDPR, when, you know, all the the hype about GDPR coming into play earlier this year made everybody more aware of that too. So people just have a kind of heightened awareness that they shouldn't be oversharing and that these big companies profit so much from their data. They're not these, um, you know, lovely... um, fluffy services that people use for free for no reason, you know,
1: so um, Yeah, well, I mean this week it, a report came out that said um, reduced social media makes you happier Yeah,
0: probably I would have thought
1: so. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, you know th- there is a trend to deleting Twitter, Facebook off your iPhone mm-hmm. so you don't see that it's the dopamine hit, oh, someone's liked it, someone's liked it someone's liked yeah. it yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that going on Anyway, look We're at the end of a show. Oh, my God. It's gone so fast. Thank you very much, Casey, for coming in today.
0: Thanks,
1: Sam. Um, So, yes, we've got your book of the week, which was?
0: Um, The Life-Changing magic of tidying and your app was instagram
1: sorry insta insta um and next up of course we have young david here with the afternoon gold and 70s here on Milo fm um but yes all i can say is thank you very much for joining us today on uh sam talks technology we'll be here next wednesday
2: thank you sam that was amazing